Okay, hello everyone, and welcome to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico, and joining me is... Dottie Hertz, and by the power vested in me, I award Adam A. Donaldson with the Endurance Award for surviving the 44-hour parking meeting at City Hall this week. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Had to keep feeding the quarters into the meter. That's a, that's a joke that uh, kids, ask your parents about putting quarters in a meter. <laughs> what's a quarter and what's a meter? <laughs> well, I mean, they know what the meter is, but it's all like, you know, tap and stuff now. So, yeah, you no. Know, so it's, it's, you know, cashless, like almost everything else. Uh, but the next thing came true in this town. Eh? Yeah, that takes me. <laughs> There's back. another reference for that. <laughs> Kids, <laughs> ask your parents about Mondex. <laughs> Mondex, what the hell? Uh, open sources is CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show and our Guelph Heritage show too. And you can find <laughs> us here at every Thursday at 5 p.m. as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada. And around the world, and we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians, which this week will be Phil Alt, who, you will recall, is a three-term city councillor from Ward 3 and a friend of the pod. We're going to talk about what looks like a very busy fall at City Council, which includes an in-depth look at housing and social services next week. May have to dip into some of that parking stuff, too. We'll uh, stand by for that. Uh, that's at the bottom half of the hour. Before that, we're going to talk about a few news items from the last week, including the 1 million march for children. It's the new black for the very anti-LGBTQ movement that keeps getting louder. Should we be concerned that this is maybe Freedom Convoy 2.0? But first, uh, no no long weekend off for the Greenbelt scandal. Whoa. Um, <laughs> apropos for Labor Day, uh, Stephen Clark quit his job. As uh, the municipal affairs and housing minister, uh, this was after, I think it came out the day we recorded last week that the integrity commissioner report came out and said that uh, Stephen Clark failed badly in his responsibility to supervise um, the his, his chief of staff, who apparently was for sale to any developer that wanted to cut a piece of the greenbelt off and uh, develop it. Uh, the sword did eventually fall on Steve Clark. He quit on Monday. Uh, Doug Ford quickly reshuffled eight people in his cabinet for some reason. Uh, he tapped Paul Calandra, friend of the show. Uh, not really, but he's been he's been a character on it for a while. Um, tapped Paul Calandra to be the new Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing. This is not a role unfamiliar to Paul Calandra who was tapped to run long-term care after Rod Phillips uh, suddenly quit that position in January 2022. Paul Calandra had a press conference on Wednesday morning that essentially said that they are reviewing everything about the green belt, but still no indication that um, they're going to pull the uh, decision that they made last year, uh, late last year, about uh, siphoning off portions of that and having developers develop the properties. Meanwhile, you may have noticed the hashtag resign Doug Ford is now trending. So this is all far from over. Where to begin? I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, it's bad when the work is happening on the last long weekend of the summer. Mm -hmm. Part of that, I think, in terms of Clark's resignation, they're thinking everybody's distracted and there's no one looking. Yeah. 
But of course, as I no no doubt you saw and I did too, it blowing up on the socials. <laughs> it was all anyone could talk about. Mm-hmm. First thing on the first thing in the morning too. Yeah, and and not just because of the resignation, but the the sidebar with the reveal of who Mister X was. <laughs> One ex-Clarington mayor named John Mutton and great his, name, great name for yeah, the scandal. John Mutton and his gang mm. of, as he called them, a development services company. But realistically, they're lobbyists. Mm-hmm. Ten thousand or a hundred thousand, or however many pictures that Doug Ford thinks he has with pales in comparison to Mister X's file, where there's pictures of him with everybody. So, hey, when you take lobby- thousands of pictures a year, there's going to be some doubles. <laughs> Is and I knew that was where they were gonna go. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's where Polyev is gonna go. It's like I, I know I just got my pictures. I have no idea who he is. Bonnie Crombie, Bonnie Crombie, exactly. They all know who he <laughs> yeah, is. They all know Mister X. That's for sure. He gets around that John Mutton. Yeah, if it's 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 not just a mere company when you're absolutely everywhere. It it smells of lobbying, although he says he isn't. But I, I guess you saw his team as well, and mm-hmm. particularly one Mister Phoenix Kiss, the fixer. And swear to God, when I saw that picture, I thought it was AI. Mm-hmm. Somebody said it looked like uh, the the spirit Halloween costume for corporate scumbag. <laughs> yeah, and it's I, I again I've said this before about mocking people about how they look. Honestly, because it's just there's just so much going on. I thought somebody's somebody's mocked this up. Like somebody's they're just making fun. No, it turns out this is a real person. This fixer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was the circus. Sh- sideshow of the of the main event circus the big top mm-hmm. i guess we'll call it and as you said the uh the i mean the the calandra appointment is just like th- this is a, a man that was in charge of the it's essentially a housing file as well all the long-term care mm. uh, file and we all know how poorly that went mm-hmm. they'll just say covid 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 but there's way more to it than that Mm-hmm. And seeing Doug Ford coming out of the weekend, they're just stammering, trying to come up, bumbling, trying to come up with stuff, still trying to blame the former government, although he's not saying win McGinty liberals as much mm-hmm. as to everything is. Well, they, they attack the Greenbelt too. I mean, I think no consultation. Yeah. By by comparison, it sounds like it was a bunch of minorish changes, rather, you know, a little bit of tweaking rather than right. we're gonna make the greatest deal that developers in Ontario have seen possibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all on the sly and all underhanded by the sounds of it, as more and more of the story comes out. Now we've had there's been two casualties so far. Mm-hmm. It's not going away, so mm-hmm. there has to be more. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure yet what that is going to involve and the shuffle is not going to help. And the, you know, the more press conferences you have, Colin DeMello is still going to be on your ass about everything. Right. So it's, and, and good and rightly so. Right. So we can find out what's going on, but I mean, it's, you know, circus Mm -hmm. is a bit of an understatement. Mm -hmm. And it's, there's a lot of flailing and it, it was interesting watching Doug Ford sort of fall back on old habits. I remember, like during the pandemic when you would announce a press conference and it'd be like 10 o'clock or 12 o'clock or one o'clock or whatever. And you'd be waiting and you'd be waiting and you'd be waiting. And it was always like when they announced some new big COVID strategy, like we're going into lockdown, coming out of lockdown. It's, it always felt like they were writing things at the last minute. 
And I had that flashback on Tuesday when it's like, we're waiting, we're waiting. Like, you, like Doug, you called the press conference at like four o'clock the evening before. So, you know, you, you got to know what you want to say. And, you know, he, d- despite that, he didn't say what people wanted. What people wanted to hear was, okay, we're going to put a pause to all this. Clearly there was a F up. We thought we could, you know, wiggle our way around it or, you know, put some tape on it or put a bandaid on or whatever euphemism you want to use. People want him to stop. And this was the thing about Colantra came out when he announced like, we're going to review everything and we want to know what the people know. It's like, dude, the people already told you last year in that slapdash effort, people jammed the proverbial lines to tell you like, we don't want you to start yanking land out of the green belt. And since then we've had like, not just the auditor general's report, but uh, the environmental defense report, which you could argue because uh, you know, they're tree hugging lefties, you know, have a bias towards trees. So it would be in their interest to say, leave the green belt alone. But the auditor general confirmed it. You can build a million and a half homes in Ontario without touching one bloody tree in the green belt. So that's what people want. They didn't want this to begin with. They don't want it now. They want you to stop. But they, this is what this government does. Again, going back to the COVID era where they, 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 keep the pain going, keep the pain going until they inevitably get to the, the decision, whether that's to lock things down or to announce a mask mandate or announce a vaccine <laughs> mandate or to stop the green belt process or to fire the MMAH or whatever. Um, this is a government that it's almost masochistic. They want to prolong the pain. They just love feeling the pain <laughs> forever. It's it's like watching Cenobites on stage. Like if you know your Hellraiser lore, um, but that's what it sort of feels like to me and and it's it's sort of amazing to me that that this is the game we're kind of still playing at queen's park like let's prolong the plane as long as humanly possible because we all know what the right answer is and the right answer is this has to stop yeah and they have to because the the friends will be so pissed off if they don't yeah Yeah. follow through with this Mm -hmm. and that i mean that's they they just keep going on trying to stay on message about getting houses built mm-hmm. and every, as you say, every possible option is being presented to them. is like, you don't, you don't need to do this. Mm-hmm. The ma- It is the majority now. They're just saying, you know, back, back off from this. They're trying to talk tough and saying, well, you know, if they don't do it by X day, then we will, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to take the land back. There was that weird also surfacing on the weekend about the land that was for sale. Mm-hmm land coming up for, for sale that was removed from the green belt and that's by a developer who was at the daughter's wedding <laughs> yeah. Doug will be like oh, I've never met the man it's like he was like you're, you invite people you don't know to your daughter's wedding when well, you act like the godfather and stuff happens on the day of your daughter's wedding is the yeah. point <laughs> it's it's just getting more and more ridiculous by the day yeah by the day and it's it's too bad that it's not a minority or something that could actually bring them down where, yeah, where there can be some accountability. Yeah. And there isn't. Effectively, we're stuck. And and Calandra's doubling down with this top to bottom examination of the, of the, or Mike Schreiner called it tripling down, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you've done this. Now you're going to do this. Again. We're going to do a full review. And of course, mm-hmm. the concern with the full review is that what else is going to be offered up to the friends to presumably build houses that we know aren't, we know this isn't happening. We know that it's not going to increase the capacity of housing for the province. It's a McMansion plan, generally. Well, right? it's, so it's it's yeah. just not not going to happen. The infrastructure is in there. We there are lots of flaws with this, and with all the yammering that's going on, 
It's it's not going to get. They're not going to get it done as they promised. Well, this is the thing: is as the I, song I, said, <laughs> almost in the election, right? <laughs> uh, or the the bizarro version of the song. Yeah, no, it, it, this is what they kind of do. And I was thinking also about um, the announcement that they're reviewing. We're supposed to be getting that. We were supposed to be getting that announcement before next week of, the, of who's going to be leading these reviews of re- regional governments, which is something else we've already done. We did it last term, and now we're going to review regional governments again. We don't even know what you know Ken Seeley and and the other guy decided when when they were reviewing the regional governments last mm-hmm. term. They didn't even release a final report. So I mean, that's how effective that was. And yeah, you raise an interesting point about like what can the friends be offered now. And blood, well, like, uh, that's that, next, that, right? That's that's the next top. Well, I was also going to say that leads into our next topic. Um, but <laughs> the the um, what can the, the friends be offered? The province has a, owns a lot of land, and there's a pretty big, interesting piece of land in the east end of this city that mm-hmm. uh, you know some friends might be interested in. I'm not saying that that that's a possibility. But, I mean, you got to think of that in, in a lot of different places around this province of the GTHA. There are pieces of attractive land that aren't greenbelt, aren't necessarily protected. Because here's the interesting thing people may not know. Um, Wealth City Council passed a, a heritage designation on the OR lands. doesn't go into effect until the, until the province buys it. So it's, you know... There's a catch. If, there's always a catch. There's, right? there's a catch. There's a loophole, right? So, yeah... What can the friends be offered? And, you know, maybe the green belt's too hot now. But, you know, we we're talking about this waiting for the closed meeting to open at council. Is, you know, what 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 has this sort of thrown off the front page? What was, like, all the fuss about earlier this summer? Ontario Place. Who's talking about Ontario Place now? Nobody, because of this. So what happens as all eyes are on the green belt? What happens on other files? What happens on other areas of concern? Um, you know, while everybody's sort of looking to... I don't know, get, I mean, we've already kind of gotten a pound of flesh for this, but, um, you know, it, this is, this is getting so much attention. What aren't we paying attention to? You know, those of us who work in the media only have so much out, so many hours in the day, only two sets of eyes or one set of eyes each. It's, you know, it's easy to get away with stuff. So I think that's, that, that's a penny that may yet drop in the midst of all this. And Ford is trying it like to run distraction. He's like, Oh, the interest rate, they're going to tinker with it. It's too high. It's like, No, we're not listening to that, even though it's being served up. Mm-hmm. And anything but talking about this, and when he does talk about this, it's it it pains him. I, I, what's her name? Ivana Yelich has been really busy on this week. Everybody's weekends, their weekend was mm-hmm. ruined with mm-hmm. all of this, right? No cottages for you. Get back as soon as you can because we have this crisis. And uh, well, I mean, she does work with her partner, so that's nice. Oh yeah, <laughs> a propagandist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're propagandists. So, you know, they get to work Alleged. together. Oh, yeah. I, don't yeah. well. I don't think they're coming after me and I don't actually care. So it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, it is interesting that, you know, it's it's end of summer. I mean, you know, the legislature doesn't even sit for another couple of weeks that, you know, theoretically, everyone could have just went to their hidey holes for, you know, three weeks and, and not done anything. But I think that speaks to the power of this story. Um, this, is a, this has been a big story for a month. Um it has cost two people their job, although Steve Clark is still an MPP. Um, For now. <laughs> well, that, that's the... the a politician. Um, he doesn't have anything else to do. He has to stay in the fold. He'll probably leave, that's, become that's a lobbyist. 
That's true. He's got four I'd decades. Put a hundred bucks on that. Well, I, I don't think that's a bet anyone's going to take. But you know, it's in in the dead in supposedly dead time of summer. This has been on the front burner. You can't run from this, even on the long weekend, even in the middle of like a really nice you know stretch of nice weather on a long weekend, last long weekend of summer. All eyes were on this. As you said, like everybody was up Monday morning. It's like, oh my God, can you believe you quit and sharing memes and, and all that? So it just it's gonna be so hard to outrun it. And guess what? It's gonna be double if 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 it keeps up the way it's going, it's gonna be doubly hard to outrun it. Um, when the legislature gets back on September twenty fifth. I guarantee you it's gonna be the first question Merritt Styles asks on the first day of school. So it, it's okay. Phoenix Kiss will fix everything. Oh, Phoenix Kiss. I mean, if he's not battling the Power Rangers or whatever. Um, <laughs> or Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That brings us to uh, this thing. One Million Man March for Children, which you may have heard about or you may have not. It's kind of under the wire. Um, there have been rumbling since August that um, some people have been trying to organize a massive protest uh, essentially, uh, essentially in the name of Save the Children, they are people who are typically upset about gender inclusivity and uh, supporting people of diverse genders and uh, having school policies that recognize people's genders, recognize people's pronouns, recognizing the gender and pronouns that they want to identify with, uh, not dead naming young people, uh, so on and so forth. This seems to have... Uh, moved away from the big one event now there are about 50 different events being organized all across canada including one in guelph uh this is for september 20th uh now that i've given uh scotty uh enough time to eat his spinach and uh get get those biceps working uh he's he's going to give us some of his thoughts on this situation the the twin pythons are ready yeah (laughs) (laughs) i i uh Sometimes I dislike doing stories like this because yeah, I have to dig into into the dark zone. Yeah, because I was trying that you cannot find out via normal channels, and I mean regular media. Yeah, as to what's going on here, it's like is the date September twentieth symbolic? Why are you doing this at nine in the morning? Why do you s- insist on stealing things like the Million Man March, which is now the Million Person March? But it's like you folks don't have an original thought in your heads this is mm. this confusing amalgam of stuff mm. and to sort through it too you have to go you have to go to those places uh <laughs> convoy-esque conspiratorial i don't know like i'm i'm not there there's definitely a parallel here mm-hmm. but the 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 person that's that's getting the credit for coming up with this idea kamal al Sheikh, never heard of the person supposedly he's a CEO of some kind is LinkedIn says he's self-employed. Like he it's, it's not as if he's a name among the batch, you know, he's not Tamara Leach. He's not, you know, this, this person just kind of appeared. Mm-hmm. So it's always beware, right? It's like, mm-hmm. where are they coming from? So then it's like, okay, what, what is this March actually about? And I've determined they're saying it's for, and this is a quote, from one of the sites, the elimination mm-hmm. of the sexual orientation and gender identity curriculum. Yeah. The only place I can find where anything remotely resembling that exists is in BC. Mm-hmm. So it's like you've got the rest of the country where this doesn't, there's a thing that doesn't actually exist. There are, I, you know, curriculum is similar in terms of wanting to accommodate people, but there's the things they're conflating together, like you mentioned, pronouns, gender ideology, mixed bathrooms mm-hmm. has become this 
I don't know, melting snowball or slush ball. I don't know what. <laughs> and it, it's, I, I mean, I don't know where this is going to go. It has, it has elements of conspiracy. And then there's this weird kind of coalition now of Muslim and Christian groups, mm. if I understand it right. And, that, and I think that's why the march is on a Wednesday. Can't mm. have it on Saturday or Sunday if they're religious, right? So it's during the week. Um, and they, they obviously can't, as we well, know, like 10 days later is Orange Shirt Day, right? Right. Which is, which is another day for children, effectively, right? September yeah. 30th. So like picking through it, the, the recurring thing is the, it's the, they call it the Trudeau gender ideology, mm-hmm. which also isn't actually a thing. No. Trudeau has his opinions and comments on that, and he'll say this and that, or whatever. But uh, schools are still very much a provincial responsibility. Yeah, with a few th- overlapping things. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think they really th- thought this out, other than no. But they hate Trudeau boy mentality, right? It's like we right. just want to keep that thing going, so we'll focus on trans kids. We'll focus on that. Yeah, and I I've been searching hard for like some like substantive links between this and convoy stuff, and just locally, like the people who are members of the One Million uh, March for Children Facebook group, the local Facebook group, I don't recognize many names from the you know pre convoy days, but yeah, it's it's I mean that could that you know people use you know aliases on facebook and whatever but yeah it is hard not to get the smell of this and indeed there there was a press progress which is one of the few places done like any kind of in-depth reporting on this um seemed to indicate that that there was um this man gordon berry um was planning like a kind of convoy-esque thing in toronto where they would meet from east and west and meet in toronto because it's like the vague center of the country and then you know shut down downtown toronto for this and having it in the school day and like having it in the morning i think it's because there's supposed to be some kind of like school walkout portion of this yeah which you know kind of bizarre because it's this is this isn't like young like a lot of those climate protests like in the it, people taking their cue from greta thunberg like those were like young people driven so of course they're walking out of school this is the parents pulling their kids out of school i guess um but yeah it, it, it there is this kind of craziness where it's like it's focused on education which is a provincial responsibility but they hate trudeau so he's got to be a part of it too and um i i did run across this and uh this this program soji 123 which is the name of the british columbia education i don't think it's even formal I could be wrong about this. I'm not sure I've seen like formal BC education policy so much as like one of those third party like, you know, where we specialize in LGBTQ plus issues. So we've developed this like sort of information packet, this potential curriculum to sort of like augment any education you're doing about people with, you know, different sexual orientations or gender identities. But it's now become this thing. And it reminded me very much of and this does get into a, a convoy thing. Um, there were so many people at those meetings who were like against Agenda 2031. And what people mm. may not know, Agenda 31 is United Nations. It's a United Nations group that is essentially about organizing municipalities around the world to reach sustainability targets, affordability targets, 15-minute communities, which we know is a bugaboo in, in certain circles yeah. these days, um, you know, environmental sustainability. 
Um, they've taken something which is pretty just like sort of basic, like low-rung progressive pablum and turned it into this boogeyman. And lo and behold, um, I did see several mentions of the United Nations and some of these these websites, some of these groups like exposing Soji123 and protect, chi- protect childhood innocence. Um, there is this, uh, I guess, opinion or, or conspiracy that um, the UN is fostering this idea of like norm- normalizing pedophilia. And there was this one graphic um, that I saw shared on one of these sites where it said Tavistock, which is a small town in the United Kingdom, has a wait list of 5,500 5, minors waiting for sex change operations. Scotty, do you have any idea on the top of your head what the total population of Tavistock in the UK is? It's probably akin to Tavistock, Ontario. No, it's 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 more than that, but there's 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 absolutely no way. Twelve thousand six hundred and seventy-five okay, according to the right. last census. So it's almost double the size of Tavistock, Ontario. But yeah, yeah, basically they're saying half of the community of Tavistock is minors and they all want a sex change. Well, and this is what's strange about this. Like the the first article that came up that I read on this mm-hmm. was a UK website. Mm-hmm. Like, so first of all, butt out. I mean, are, isn't isn't this the group of people, the million marchers, mm-hmm. would be the first ones to say, why are these other countries interfering in our business? Yep. You know, you well, would that, say the same thing about the UN. Yeah, the, the UN, but also like, why well, the, the alignment is going with the US now. So I guess they're okay, right? We're all sure. one North American family, but <laughs> so there's, there seems to be info coming from everywhere and the the con- the conflicting argument the arguments cancel themselves almost right away like they'll say well it's all about free expression it's like well okay you have that right but mm-hmm. why do you want to stomp on that right for everybody else you mm-hmm. absolutely have the right to pull your kids out of school if you don't want them subjected to the curriculum you have that's baked into the at least in ontario right right you can get it you can get an exemption if you feel that strongly about it mm-hmm. then just do that but mm. no, it's it's all of this other stuff. Same mm. with um, I, one direct pull quote from one of the conversations that I suffered through was, regardless of race, religion, or political orientation, we want people to come out to this thing. Mm-hmm. Well, the whole thing is centered around like orientations, right? Mm. People have different political orientations, then let them have those. People and religious orientations, same thing, or what your beliefs are, you need to let them have those. But no one wants to touch your damn kids. Yeah. In the schools like this, they they set it up as if there's this like the looming predators just want your children. And there are, don't get me wrong. There are predators out there. Sure. But it's, it's not like they're around every corner. No. Right. It's it's not like. And it's usually someone you know. Happened, what's that? It's usually someone you know. Oh, oh exactly. The majority. Right. So they, mm-hmm. they've obviously done no homework and they, they want this, <laughs> the, the overarching bogeyman of all the you know uh, yeah and and of course in what's the date where where the the 5g is going to kill all of the vaccinated which is the majority it's like five years out we're fine oh it's oh it's five years okay so we're good we're good for five years okay i wasn't sure i thought it was like it's like babylon five it's over in five years oh okay so well that's good I'm, i'm looking forward to to five years uh, not five more years of, of these marches though this, so this, i mean it's yeah. it's cramming as much interesting living. to see how the <laughs> local ones go and how they add up the numbers because it's definitely not going to be a million 
yeah that's i mean that's why i kind of want to put it on the radar it's it's like it's starting to like the convoy didn't appear out of thin air and if this becomes something big akin to the convoy it will it will not have appeared out of thin air there either this is something that's been an undercurrent and i just i fear it's it's going away along the way of the, a lot of those anti-vax and anti-mandate marches it's just like oh just a bunch of kooks and then next thing you know they occupy a canadian city and you know who knows what happens next all right we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back with phil you're listening to open sources guelph here on cfru 93.3 fm cfru.ca guelph campus and community radio the people in the world are the people in office the faces on television And that was Richard LaViolette from his album, Aging Recycling Plant. I think it was 2009. The song was Media Song, which I don't think was directed at us, but. (laughs) Not if it was 2009. And we're playing that on a sad note because Richard LaViolette, well-known Guelph musician and beyond, Mm. uh, died Tuesday of uh, medical assisted death the age of 41 due to advancing Huntington's disease and other health problems. He will be missed by anyone who's ever seen a concert in Guelph in the last 20 years. There you go. Pretty much (laughs) as the outpouring on social media and elsewhere is uh, showing. And I actually heard him on uh, CBC Toronto uh, earlier today. So wide, wide reachings touched a lot of people. So, yeah, I, I mean, wish I could say I was playing a Richard song on on uh, better circumstances, but uh. I mean, it's one of those things because, like, relatively speaking, for modern days, it's, like he's so young, forty one. Oh, absolutely, uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's heartbreaking. Yeah, well, wherever wherever Richard is, uh, may his memory be a blessing. All those shows everybody's been at, may those memories be a blessing too. Uh, Phil Old could probably tell you about some shows he's been a. Uh, He's been around Guelph for uh, a lot longer than Richard LaViolette, um, but uh, he is uh, the Ward 3 City Councilor. Uh, it is back to school week for kids and counselors alike, so we thought we'd have Phil in to give us the straight dope about uh, what council is facing this fall. So there's uh, there was a committee of the whole this week. There's a big housing meeting at city council next week. Uh, they're going to be doing a blanket exercise uh, for reconciliation the week after that. And then there's a whole budget situation in the fall that's got to get sorted out. So let's get it all start, get start to get it all sorted out with our uh, good friend, Phil Alt. And uh, we caught up with him earlier today. And here is that interview. Okay, Phil Alt, thank you so much for coming on with us again. Thank you very much, Adam. Uh, for my first question is kind of of a personal interest. I delegated to city council back in April about the changes to the bus pass. I made a prediction about uh, 
counselors being inundated with queries about the changes. Uh, I'm curious, did my prediction come true? Surprisingly, it didn't because okay. I still could not explain it if <laughs> I had to. I, I don't understand it. What I do understand, I think it is a positive change, but I think it until you actually get into the system, you won't know what that is. So mm. I'm going to rely on some uh, frequent users. Uh, my neighbor, Marla, who knows every bus route in Guelph, uh, is going to become my go-to encyclopedia. Okay, fair enough. Um, moving into the Committee of the Whole meeting that happened yesterday as we're recording, um, I couldn't help but notice uh, there were no pressing questions about the uh, the the updates to the procedural bylaw and 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 the municipal act and, and things like that pertaining to the strong mayor powers. Is is that a, is that because it was like kind of purely administrative, or is it because like maybe we're kind of sick of arguing about the strong mayor powers and I don't know. You tell me. No, uh, for the most part, it is procedural. There will be one question coming up. Uh, at the end of the month uh, because regrettably the person that wanted to ask it was uh, uh, not yet in the chamber um, and that's a good one uh, it, it will be a very good one and I, I'm pretty certain I know the answer I know I'm going to have to answer part of it uh, <laughs> but really the the issue of strong mayor powers uh, relates to what are the new powers that the mayor has and what are the powers that the mayor has relinquished and what are the powers that the mayor has kept? Um, so under strong mayor powers, the strong mayor could potentially have uh, draconian powers, the powers to hire and fire, uh, mm -hmm. the powers to appoint committee heads, the power to establish a budget subject to the approval of council, and, of course, the uh, power to... Um, to give notification on uh, on developments and growth-related targets. In Guelph, our mayor has essentially uh, surrendered mm -hmm. all those powers with the exception of uh, growth and development-related authorities and the one that the mayor cannot relinquish, which is um, the responsibility for the budget to staff. And I, and I want to deal with the the uh, the one related to budget first, because I think that's mm. really important to appreciate. Um, the budget process has been changed, and some of the changes are going to, uh, I think, be difficult for people to get their heads around. Yeah, We have a, a new time frame for the budget, and so uh, I didn't know it till today, but Tara Baker explained to me the budget will not be presented until we present it in our revised agenda. No one can see it because mm -hmm. it will. It only is uh, our budget for 30 days after that. If we right. were to put it in the uh, initial agenda uh, projections, then the 30 days starts 10 days before our meeting. So we have a problem. Uh, now the question was asked, are people going to need to sign up blind for the budget? Uh, the answer is no, but I think people are going to have some real challenges with understanding the budget ahead of time. That's going to be difficult. The mayor, yeah. in, uh, in his wisdom, uh, determined that the broad strokes of the budget shall be uh, defined by staff based on 
reasonable uh, budget presumptions and assumptions. 60 to 70 percent of our budget is already locked in for ongoing work. Uh, 30 percent of our budget is uh, targeted for future development based on our strategic plan. And that's a wise way to go. However, uh, with the budget um, uh, approvals, council then makes an approval. If the mayor is not comfortable with anything, the mayor has 10 days to announce that uh, he or she will use strong mayor powers to override or to change those. So uh, let's just say that council, in its wisdom, because council is always right, decides (laughs) that we're going to put 15 fountains in downtown Guelph uh, Mm. and uh, they're going to be done uh, during this budget period. The mayor has the authority to override that and then Mm. that must be vetoed by council with a two-thirds vote and there's fairly uh, stringent timelines on that. Right. People uh, who read the report will note that there's sort of additional dates after uh, the when the budget is passed at the beginning of December, that doesn't necessarily mean that there are meeting dates after that. That's in case there's going to be this, I guess, veto struggle, as it were. Yeah, and that's going to be an interesting one in terms of uh, uh, procedural processes and how do we uh, actually address that uh, with regards to uh, notices of uh, with due motion, due right. um, uh, notice to council and to the public, uh, because right now we have a very defined uh process within a procedural bylaw hopefully we will not discover that uh we've rendered some of them moot and in defense of the clerks uh they are uh really inventing this as quickly as they can based upon the frequent changes that we're experiencing as a consequence of bill 23 and protect the green belt and all the other scandals that we're (laughs) dealing with uh Correct me if I'm wrong uh, about how maybe I read this, that um, like individual intentions on the part of the council. I mean, already Mayor Guthrie, when he's when he's run the budget in previous years, has asked council to submit like motions in advance so that he can just sort of like fire them off in, in the process of the council meeting. But now that's kind of like in the in the sort of the rule book for creating a municipal budget, you have to submit all your potential motions in advance and he has to sort of like rubber stamp them before they come to council you know you you've got me i don't know <laughs> okay i really i, I honestly um and uh tara baker our um, treasurer and uh, trevor lee our our financial officer uh have been as forthcoming as they can possibly be as yeah. they're trying to get their heads around this um I was just with Tara and Trevor and Tara was uh, uh, a picture of calm, but uh, (laughs) according to her, I said, you know, I think that really the, the planners have the most difficult challenge uh, with, with bill 23. And she kind of rolled her eyes and smiled and said, yeah, I'll see you in a month. Then we'll (laughs) see if that's true. Um, Well, uh, she's right because we have five years to phase in the new development charges regime. Uh, That's going to have a significant impact upon our bottom line. And I will not back off from stating we may have a budget increase, the likes of which we have not seen for some time, if ever. Uh, Mm. This is a real worry. 
when uh, the province downloaded uh, all development responsibilities to cities and off uh, developers, uh, they then created a problem, which is going to be inflationary on housing costs of all kinds, whether you own a house or whether you rent. Um, This is not going to create affordable housing, precisely the opposite. I know Waterloo Regions already talked, this was earlier this summer, talked about 10% increases for next year. Um, I can't think of any exact numbers I've heard from other municipalities, but I mean, I'll ask you to put on your pundit hat for a minute. Um, Is it possible that, you know, once we sort of start budgeting and all these different municipalities are talking about like 8%, 10%, 12%, that, you know, there's kind of this, I, I guess, backlash against these changes that, you know, we're supposed to make affordability easier, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think I think that the backlash will occur because, you know, frankly, it's it's not like people have not been paying attention. Uh, interestingly, the Greenbelt uh, scandal uh, has revealed that people really have been paying attention. Uh, now, the Greenbelt scandal will create a culture that is going to lead to further challenges, I think, for the provincial government. And uh, I have heard the words tax revolt come out of a couple of people's mouths. Mm. Uh, I don't believe that Ontario is a tax revolt culture, but (laughs) we might find the provincial government revolting. Mm. I believe that the resentment uh, really could come rest further in Rest, resting further on on the government's uh, shoulders and Doug Ford's in particular. And just as an aside, but I think it is relevant. You know, I, I think that the Greenbelt scandal has shown that Doug Ford is a lousy politician. Mm. Um, what he has done by, by slowly modifying what was announced in a rushed fashion, haphazard fashion, and quite frankly, I think a, a, a dangerous fashion from the perspective of planning and development in Ontario, is as mm. he reverses himself slowly, he's, in, he's entered into the realm of death by a thousand cuts. <laughs> so first of all, they clawed back some land in Ajax. Then there's a revelation that in Hamilton, there's some problems that are wrong. Then you hear that, uh, that essentially... Nobody really wants strong mayor powers, which is not um, uh, unrelated to the green belt in a lot of ways. Mm. Then we hear that the, the indigenous chiefs are completely opposed to what's being done in the green belt and have some considerable economic authority over things like the ring of fire, for example, if sure. uh, the Ford government wants to develop it. Then a, uh, uh, a deputy minister resigns, a chief of staff resigns, then a minister resigns. Then we have a minister that says, well, we're going to open up the green belt for reconsider, and we might even add lands. Um, I don't think that Doug Ford is really soothing the public. I think he's pulling off a Band-Aid and picking at a wound. And mm. uh, uh, when it comes time for, uh, for budget approval, when mm. the revelation hits that many jurisdictions will see tax increases of 8 to 10%, uh, I, if I were uh, Mr. Ford, I might be thinking about uh, moving down to Arizona with former Minister John Snowbling. <laughs> All right. Well, um, looking back at Guelph stuff, uh, again, at committee yesterday, um, talking about the downtown 
parking master plan. Mayor Guthrie called for a parking revolution, but I think this might get in his way. And it's a couple of numbers. I didn't hear a lot of talk about talking about like parking revolutions. 75% of people who took part in the engagement didn't want any changes to downtown parking at all. 74% don't want any changes to how we pay for parking, which is to say that they want it coming from the tax base and not from parking meters. Uh, can you have a parking revolution when nobody shows up? No. And uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be glib and I'm going to be uh, to the point as well. Uh, what an unusual I circumstance. Am, I am a, a big fan of cycling and multimodal transportation. Mm. Uh, I, I like to encourage people to walk. I like to pe- encourage people to cycle. I want to show respect for people that have mobility concerns so that we actually develop uh, alternatives to the car. But I am not so naive as to presume that the car is going to disappear tomorrow. Uh, I actually think that what our staff did in their recommendations was was fairly wise. We reduced our um, our our parking ratio to 0.85 uh, downtown, which doesn't mean anything to anybody other than to know that there will be a slight reduction in some of the parking downtown. That's all right. anybody needs to know. Now, as much as I want to get everybody out of cars. Um, and I glibly said to you yesterday, what I'd like to do is pass a motion that reduces the width of streets and says nobody can own four or five cars anymore and we're going to ban garages. Uh, that's all well and fine, but that's got about the life of a snowflake in a tornado. Uh, right. It's not going to go anywhere. Uh, for the short term, and when I mean short term, I mean over the next couple of decades, cars are going to be here. And we have to accommodate people and we have to accommodate people that have all sorts of mobility issues that require automobiles to get here than everywhere. We also need to have a, a leap. Uh, uh, we have to show faith to, to um, businesses in the downtown core who require people to drive downtown uh, to, uh, to shop. And Adam, I know that you, you use the buses. I use the buses. Uh, I would have no problems comparing Guelph to Seattle or Barcelona or Madrid if we had a multimodal transit system that actually was as efficient as in those places. And make no bones about it, we don't. Our right. uh, our transit system is based on a population of 150,000 and very limited usership. In Guelph, as much as I would not like to admit it, the car is still king. Mm. And while I drive an electric car and only have one car and have an electric bike and another bike, uh, I'm not so naive as to say I'm getting people out of their cars in a second. So the idea of a, a, a revolution, no. Um, you know, if I get a choice on songs, uh, if you could play the Beatles uh, evolution, that would be great. We can evolve <laughs> parking. We can evolve it slowly. We need to be attentive to all the needs of the community. And one of them is we need to have parking downtown. Mm-hmm. I guess the question then is, uh, because I mean, I, I, I'm i not sure which article Mayor Guthrie was reading from, but it, it's incredibly familiar if you've had your eye on this issue, like Spacing Magazine has written about it, like parking, categorizing parking as a tremendous misuse of city space. Um, this is not a revelation, and I guess how does and this may be impossible to answer right here right now, but you know it's a matter of sort of changing minds 
everyone agrees we need more transit. Everyone agrees more people need to use transit. More people use needs to get on those other modals that you're talking about. But they want everybody else to. Uh, everyone wants to be able to still have their three cars and in their um, maximum size driveway and garage and their two size garage, two yeah. car garage. Yeah, and and you know th this is one of the issues. What I heard yesterday was that some people were framing it in the context of affordable housing. Well, right. uh, sorry, I. I, I don't agree with you, but what you are doing is, is that you are offloading parking to the user. So um, when Conestoga, for example, comes into the downtown, we have immediately 5,000 new people coming downtown. That's mm -hmm. not going to be easy to absorb. Many mm -hmm. of those people will have cars and they will need to find spaces to park. Uh, if we actually were to eliminate parking on all houses within the city, we have to find some place to put those cars. Right. Now, I'm an advocate. I actually believe that we should have permit parking all throughout the city and should have it on the streets. Um, and that uh, every household is entitled to X number of permits, whatever they are. But if anybody wants to buy another permit, they can pay. And in, in uh, this particular financial climate where I was originally talking about budgets, that might not be a bad budget stream. I agree with former... Um, downtown uh, board manager marty williams uh when uh, you know he pointed out that we generally tend to um uh discriminate against the downtown by putting paid parking in and we do it for one simple reason on the streets we can make a couple bucks now of mm. course we built parking garages downtown but we build parking lots at recreation centers and we don't charge people we mm. have uh, we have parking in city parks and we don't charge people. Should we be looking at the downtown differently or should we be looking at an equitable approach to parking? And, and also, if we really want to put this in the context of uh, solving our housing crisis, if we got, ev we got rid of every two-car garage and every two-car uh, two driveway in the city and permitted people to put up three units as of right, we would solve a lot of housing, but the social will is certainly not there, and we would almost certainly cause some significant social problems by doing that. Before we run out of time, I do want to touch on this. There's a, a big housing meeting uh, next week at City Council on Tuesday. We were, uh, me and the fellas in the media booth, were talking about this in the hour and a half we had to ourselves yesterday. Uh, that report didn't seem to have a lot in terms of new ideas. It seemed to be a lot of we need to advocate more for housing um has that i mean the hype meter on that meeting was you know really up there that we were going to get some like real solutions that we were able to really get going on um i i guess you know what what are we to expect like in terms of uh actual direction after next tuesday uh my prediction is is that we are going to continue to reiterate that the the provider or our agent for providing social and affordable housing uh, and rental housing is the county and that the responsibility of the city is the purchasable uh, real estate that, that exists within the city. Uh, there are some things that I think that we could do, uh, you know, re regrettably, in some senses, we, we approve short term rentals in Guelph, uh, like Airbnbs. Uh, perhaps we should be reviewing what the impact of Airbnbs is on the rental market, which is generally a lower end market. Not always, of course. Uh, maybe we should be uh, uh, looking at uh, whether we should move from three units as of right 
on a lot to four units as of right. But keep in mind, uh, anybody that has built any of those units has recognized that that is not a solution to affordable housing. It might mm. be a solution to housing, but mm. we need to face facts. Housing is not a supply and demand economy. It's an inelastic economy. Once, say, I sell my house, which, uh, full disclosure, is more, is mortgage-free, if I had an apartment in the basement that I was renting at $1,000, the person that buys my house from me well might need to increase that rent because they need to afford the mortgage. And right. uh, so consequently, we need provincial solutions to our housing crisis. Uh, make no bones about it. What Ford has done is tried to pass the buck in a very uh, insincere fashion and a very transparent fashion to the uh, the government, the level of government that can least afford to to put that housing in. We don't have sales taxes. We don't have excise taxes. We don't have liquor taxes. We don't have revenue coming from the federal government in any appreciable amount. And if we just say factor in that a unit that is 500 square feet at $400 per square foot construction costs uh, times the approximate, I'm going to lowball this, three to 5,000 units that we need in Guelph right now. That represents about a billion dollars in Guelph alone. The city can't do it. Our budget is a half billion dollars. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, this is where we have to get off the Straight Talk Express for today. But uh, Phil Alt, thank you so much for your time today. Take care, and we will see you soon. Okay, and once again, that was Phil Alt from Ward 3 here in Guelph. He's one of the city councillors. Thank you, Phil. And, uh, you know, now that council's meeting every week, I guess we should uh, start, start shuffling them all back through here, right? That's that's what we do here. Shuffle people through gonna need more midnight recordings for us right (laughs) i mean fortunately there aren't too many wednesday meetings but uh or like all day wednesday meetings but anyway uh i'm gonna knock wood hold on until they move to move it to wednesday and be like oh (laughs) Um, that would be that would be a personal affront to me and i don't know if i mean if i haven't kicked if i haven't ticked off council enough yet i should be fine (laughs) anyway that's it for this week's show let's get started (laughs) that's it for this week's show we hope you liked it you can listen to it again by downloading it every monday from our website at opensourcesguelph.com at the guelph politicast channel on podbean or through your favorite podcast app like apple google TuneIn, and spotify you can stay connected to us on social media we're on facebook at open sources newswire and on twitter at os underscore guelph I'll be back here on CFRU Wednesday at 3 p.m. for the movie review show that I co-host called End Credits. In the meantime, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, or you can check out my news and politics site at GuelphPolitico.ca. And I'm Scotty Hertz on Twitter, Facebook, and Blue Sky. And if you're joining us at our regular time on a Thursday at 5, please stay tuned for Turtle Island Underground coming up next. Yes, indeed. That is one of the many great programs that you will hear on CFRU, 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. As for this show, we will return next Thursday at 5 p.m. for more open sources, and we will see you then.